reading about the Beatitudes this week? Anybody? All right. I am going to challenge you to get into them every week. Not just listening to me, but get in there and study them for yourselves because I think they really offer us a tremendous um, challenge that we need to apply on a daily basis. Years ago, I heard a song by a singer by the name of Mac Davis. How many of you have ever heard of Mac Davis? He's, he's been around a while. It's, it, I, I saw very few young people, which is not, under, you know, not um, uh, too much of a surprise for me. He, he sang this song, and it brought lots of humor back in the day. It's hard to be humble. How many of you have ever heard it? It's hard to be humble. Um, I'm going to give you, I'm not going to sing them, I'm going to bless you though uh, by not singing them, but I'm going to share with you a few uh, words from the chorus, uh, and it says, oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. And I'm just going to leave it right there for those who know the rest of the next line. Um, but I tell you what, it is, it's a funny song. When he first started singing this song, um, it really brought a lot of laughter uh, from the crowds. And yet, how many of you have ever met that person that felt like they were God's gift to mankind? that they literally embodied this song to know me is to love me. <laughs> they thought they were the best looking. They thought they were the, the, the funniest. They thought they were the best. They, they thought everybody showed up because of them. And what we're dealing with in the Beatitude is really Christ confronting this mentality. And although you may say, well, I, I have never thought like that. Let me just challenge you that there, there may be some underlying thoughts that may not be exactly in line with that song or with the title, It's Hard to Be Humble, but still find this place inside of us that um, challenge us. So the B, I want to remind you of a statement that I made last week that I think is very important. Because people look at all these Beatitudes and they want to break them down and say, okay, I can, you know, I can do this one or this one. Um, and they pick and choose which ones they want to work on. But the Beatitudes are a single statement in the writing, okay? They, are, they, they make up one complete thought. As Christ was bringing this sermon, as, as Christ was dealing with this, this issue, this topic, um, he was dealing with one thought process. Now, he was speaking to the church. He was dealing with the disciples. He was dealing with those who were his, some of his closest followers, and he was telling them, these are the things that you need to begin to do, that you need to begin to embody to be a follower of mine. And, and really, this message has been utilized at various times, even in, uh, throughout history, to help this whole process of discipleship. And so, Today, to make sure we give proper 
um, a time for each one of these. I'm only going to deal with the first beatitude. Number one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are with us in all things. That even in the midst of our most challenging times, you are with us. And so today I pray uh, your, your blessing on the things that are going on here today, that as we hear your word, that it would find a place to take root in our lives. And that it would confront in us those things that, that really violate who you want us to be. Father, I, I, I just give you permission to challenge and confront and do in us whatever you need. That we may be found in, in your eyes uh, pleasing. Father, that is our desire. Help us to see as you see, to hear as you hear, as your word deals with our lives. And we ask for this in your name. Amen. How many of you have ever felt something deeply? Been moved by something, a thought process, so deeply that you were willing to sell out for it? That you were willing to uh, go all in? Um. I remember some um, football games going into, um, I would go, I would sell out. I was willing, I, I, was, um, I was one of those individuals that sacrificed my body for every game. I, I believed in, in uh, giving it all. Um, and I, I remember one specific game coming up against uh, uh, our arch rival. Um, you know, it was Twin Valley North at the, that time, but since then they've changed their name because they didn't want to be identified with Twin Valley South, so now they're Tri-County North, but it's another story. But, uh, but I remember going against them. It was my senior year, and we, were, we had a good season going on. And, and I was... I, I, had, I was playing off of an injury. I, 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 um, I injured my ankle the first game of the season. And because it was my senior year, I didn't tell uh, my coach. I just taped it up. Um, and every week I would just tape it up a little tighter, you know, um, just to play through. Um, and I come to that game and, I'm, and, and we're doing well. We're winning. We're, we're doing everything we need to do. And, and then my coach pulls me out because we're at that place where he doesn't need me to be in there. And, and it was such a letdown because it's like, even though we were winning, I had no desire to come out of the game. I wanted to finish. See, when you have something such a deep felt leaning into a situation you want you don't ever want to quit until it's done you want to see it finished and and I think when you look at as we start looking at these different um, virtues these different challenges that Jesus is bringing in the Sermon on the Mount that we can understand that these really flow out of a deep sense so the poor in spirit are those who feel a, a deep sense of spiritual, I'm going to give you several words here, destitution, 
and comprehend their nothingness before God. The poor in spirit are those who feel a deep sense of spiritual destitution and comprehend their nothingness before God. In order for us to begin to go down this road, on this journey that Christ is taking us on, we have to begin to address some things that are going on inside of us, and we need to be willing to set aside some thought processes. We need to be willing to um, study. We need to be able to wrestle with, because this whole thing of spiritual destitution is this, this recognition that we would be lost without Christ and comprehend. That means that, that our minds are able to wrap around this thought process of nothingness before God. So the first step to spiritual blessedness is the realization of spiritual helplessness. Now, this is, this is such an, an important realization here. You can't save yourself. You can't do it. You can't do anything that is going to, to make you a better Christian apart from God's Spirit inside of you. You need Him. There was a, uh, there was a movement in the year, church years ago that they believed in uh, salvation by works. That you could work enough, that you could give enough, that you could do enough to earn salvation. You can't earn it. Now the great thing is the price has already been paid. Don't you like that? The price has been paid. Jesus paid the price on the cross 2,000 years ago. So we need to understand that the price, the payment has already been settled, but we have to realize how helpless we are in a relationship with God without God's investment, without God's deposit of salvation within us. Even individuals that are in position of ministry who have a, a significant calling for whether it be as a pastor or an apostle or an evangelist, whatever position, even those involved of, of leading worship, whatever position those is, those individuals have to come to a place of recognition of how spiritually helpless they would be without God's presence being part of the mix. And that's really where this, this poor in spirit comes from. from. For someone to be arrived at this mentality of poor in spirit, they must develop an attitude that is humble, dependent, and esteemed before God. They must develop an attitude. It is not something that comes naturally. We are not naturally humble. We are not um, people who like to be dependent on other people. How many of you can remember when you were approaching the end of high school, one of the first thoughts you had maybe was, uh, I can't wait till I get out on my own. I can't wait till I'm, I'm my own boss. I can't wait until I, I'm making all my own decisions. 
See, that mentality is part of the human nature many times. We like being in control. How many of you, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but how many of you are control freaks? I like controlling um, all the things in my life. I, <laughs> I am a man of habits, okay? I, I like eating about the same time every day when I do. I like, you know, the, about roughly the same kind of foods. I've talked about this before. I'm not adventurous when it comes to food. I don't want to try new things. I, I'm, I know you, as kids, they say, oh, you got to try something new. No, I'm at that point where I'm, I'm old enough to say I don't have to try something new. Now, if it looks good, I may. But you know what? If I don't want to, I can guarantee you, you're not going to convince me. I'm just at that place that I want to make my own decisions on some of those things. Now, some of those decisions aren't good. You know what I'm saying? Some of the decisions that I've made with my life haven't always been beneficial. Um, years of, of playing sports, um, I've developed some injuries because I didn't take care of my body. So, a couple weeks ago, we started um, uh, moving some stuff out of Tia's garage, and we, I was standing on concrete for... Um, about three days. Um, and I found out that I have arthritis in my knee. I didn't know it. I mean, I had had it forecasted. I knew it was on an x-ray from years ago. But it's never bothered me until two weeks ago where I stood on concrete for three days. And I couldn't move. I, it was everything I could do. I never really understood what the pain of arthritis was all about. Um, and I got to this point where I... Literally couldn't move. And I, I finally went to the doctor on Thursday because I was at a, finally at a place where I felt like, okay, if he tells me to be off my feet for a few days, I can do it. And he does the x-rays and he says, you have osteoarthritis in your knee. And he gave me a, a little pill. And the first day I was surprised. It's like, wow, that's not bad. And I'm like four days in and I'm moving again. And, and the pain is minimal. And I was so surprised because I literally was at a place where it was difficult to move. Um, and, and he said, you know what? This is going to help you with some of your pain. And this is going to help you deal with some of the things in your body so that you can not have to be on the medication. It's like, oh, changes. See, I get to make those decisions. I get to decide, am I going to do what's going to be beneficial for my body? Or am I going to suffer through it? How many of you have suffered through something because you didn't want to do what was beneficial and, and right for your body? So, we get to choose. That's one of the great things. As I got into this, this full understanding of what it means to be poor in spirit it began to confront this mentality that was going on inside of me. I would have told you that I was a good candidate for the poor in spirit because of my previous understanding of it, and unfortunately for, for the pride <laughs> that was entering in. Sometimes pride says, oh, you align to that perfectly. You are a perfect candidate for the poor in spirit. 
And as soon as you have that thought process go on, you are no longer a good candidate if you adopt it. Because the whole concept of the pure in, or the poor in spirit deals, it confronts the mentality of pride. See, the virtue of humility is opposed to pride. The virtue of humility is opposed. It's in, it's in direct opposition to pride. If you remember the passage of the Pharisee as he was standing before the, the, the group in prayer, and he, and he began to thank God that he was not like all the others. And you understand why that's the polar opposite of who God wants us to be. We need to understand that the poor in spirit confronts attitudes that want to set us on an independent mentality that want to take us down a path that focuses on who we are and wants to elevate us to a position that is outside of God's plan for our lives. I want to read just a few passages that, that confront the topic of pride that we all understand. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes in, then comes disgrace. But with, humble, but with the humble is wisdom. So pride will destroy you. You know, we need to realize that, that its ultimate end is destruction. But humility brings wisdom. We already have heard this one. Many of us have heard this verse before Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, how many of you have ever been very prideful about how good you were doing something and someone put a whooping on you before? Okay, I've been there. Um, we need to be careful because our pride sets us up for failure, for a fall. It is a trap of the enemy. Proverbs 29, 23 says, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. It is the polar opposite. One forces you into a low position, and the attitude of, of humility automatically assumes a low position, and God honors you in that, that realm. One last one for us, James 4, 6. But he who gives uh, more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So not only is pride something that... that is a polar opposite of humility, God opposes it. So when we choose to embrace a prideful spirit, we become an adversary of God. See, I hadn't really thought about those things before. That when as soon as I allow pride to enter my life, me and God are, are at odds to each other. God can no longer uh, embrace me as the son that, that I am with him because pride 
is automatically separating us, separating me from him. Pride is a sin. And scripture says sin separates us from God. So in this setting, when we choose to embrace a prideful attitude, we become adversaries with God, separating ourselves from who he wants us to be. Now, I'm not telling you it's an unforgivable sin, but I'm telling you that pride is one of those subtle things that the enemy will utilize that will push us inch by inch away from the relationship that God wants to have with us. Pride will never take us to the place that we need to be to experience the fullness that God has for us. It won't let us. Pride fills us up with our own thoughts about ourselves, our own feelings. Pride prevents discipleship. Even if you take on this this approach, well, I am the perfect disciple. I read my Bible every morning, afternoon, and night. I give, you know, 10% of my, you know, check every every week to the church. I give offerings. I I serve and and see you can do all those things and although all those things in and of themselves may be right before God, but as soon as we start promoting all that we're doing for God, pride has entered in, and it becomes the focal point for us, and rather than us experiencing God's favor, we, be, we begin to experience God's anger. So we have to be honest with ourselves. The discipleship process of God is about transformation. And transformation will not take us to a place that embraces pride. It will take us to a place of embracing humility. Uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and I've, I've, I've shared it with you time and time again, is out of Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. See, it's in that position of humility and prayer that we begin to see God begin to break things loose from our lives so that we can change the path that we're walking. That we can see God bring healing to our land. I, I am on lots of different groups on Facebook. Um, from ministers across the country to uh, different uh, community leadership groups and the, and the battles that are waging um, in these areas regarding the virus and the mask and all these things. It is, it is overwhelming the, some of the stuff that goes on and some of, the, um, some of the things that are being slammed at people because they, they are promoting a level of safety and some that are being slammed at those who are promoting a level of just trust God. And it's like, I look at all of it and, and as I studied this week, I thought, oh man, I see pride at the core of both of them. Because when your pride rises up, it separates you from a place of discussion 
and put you into positions of promotion where you are only going to promote your way or the highway. And as soon as we enter that place, we really have, whether we realize it or not, the seed of pride is allowing, is being allowed to take root in our lives, and it is separating us from who God wants us to be. And as I looked at this whole process of discipleship and the process of transformation, in order for God to bring us to the place that He desires, there needs to be this process that we go through of emptying ourselves. In order for us to be full of Christ, we must empty ourselves of the things that are not of Christ. Um, our buddies, the, you know, the boys, as they, uh, they have their water bottles at home. And, and, it's, and I always find it funny, they will come to me um, with their water bottle. And it may be half full. And they want it full. <laughs> and if I fill it up, and it's not all the way to the top, then they'll tell me, I want it full. They like, they like a full water bottle. But you know what? If our bottle is full, and God has something He wants to put in it, what happens? There's going to be spillage. And God is not going to be able to deposit in us that which we need. And so I look at the things of God, and the things that God gives us are meant to be given away. Do you realize that? You're not meant to be poured into to store. You're meant to be poured into to give away. Give away joy. See, when you share your joy with someone else, you're giving a piece of yourself to them. When you share encouragement, you're giving a piece of yourself. When you, when you give of your finances, you're giving a piece of yourself. And as you begin to do all of these different things, you're sharing of yourself. And then we come back to God, and we let Him fill us up. Every day we should go through a process multiple times even throughout that day where God's filling us because we are pouring out, we're giving away part of who God, what God has poured into us. So my question for you right now is, what have you given away this week, this last week? We're starting a new day. Today's Sunday, first day of the week. What have you given away last week of yourself? Now, I'm not asking for an out loud, uh, you know, presentation here on that, but I want you to think about it. Think about what you, have what you have given of yourself to somebody else. Um, not only good things. How many of you have ever gone and visited a dump before? Okay. This week, as we were going through boxes and boxes of stuff, we had stuff where it's like, you know what? These are not things you can bless other people with. And so we filled up a trailer, and we went and visited the dump multiple times. And we filled this dump, and it's going, it's going away into the never world. I don't know where all that stuff goes. You know, all of our garbage, you know, some will get burned, I'm sure, and stuff. And recycled, you know, we recycle our junk. 
But there is a need to get rid of some things out of our lives that are not beneficial. <laughs> so I've been talking to you for years about my potato chip issue. I know. I want you to know that I'm a, I am a real person. I have struggles. And you think, oh, that's just potato chips. No, this was potato chips. See? <laughs> now, I, I do a lot of the shopping in our household. And so this last, um, this last week, as I was going out and we were getting some lunch meat and stuff like that, some different things, my normal thing is you can't eat a lunch meat sandwich of any kind without potato chips. It's just not, it's not possible. That's my mentality. I did not buy any potato chips. <laughs> I walked out of Sam's with no potato chips because I made a decision this week as I was going through this, like, Lord, there is pride in my life. They were not out of potato chips. They were not. It was an intentional decision to avoid the potato chip. I went down the aisle, but I did not buy any potato chips. Now, some of you think, oh, that's just so silly, Pastor. Just, you know, just don't buy them or buy them, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But you know what? It doesn't matter for you. This week, as I talked to my doctor, he was saying, you need to avoid the salty foods. You need to lose some weight. <laughs> he gave me this, all these things that he said, you know what, the, the arthritis is under the kneecap. It's going to be there unless you do some things to take care of yourself. He said, there's some things you can do. Some of them you're already doing. Exercise is good. Do more of that. And he started going through this thing. And so I had to confront my own pride that says, you know what, I can, I can toughen this out. By Thursday, I realized I couldn't toughen this out. <laughs> and I look at pride that way. Pride begins to build up in our lives and disables us. It cripples us. And we don't realize it at first. See... Years ago when I was diagnosed with some, some uh, arthritis, I just thought, that's stupid. I don't have any arthritis. It doesn't bother me. See, and that's how pride slides in. In those little moments, we think, oh, it's not a big deal right now. You know, 15 years ago, it wasn't a big deal. The truth is, three years ago when I had this x-ray, it wasn't a big deal. But today, last week, last Sunday, it was everything I could do to stand up and preach. It was a big deal. It was infringing on my ability to enjoy God. Enjoy life. See, and you don't realize that pride will do that to you. That pride will infringe. When, it, when you become so full of yourself, you will begin to... Uh, miss out on the things that God has for you because you will be so full of yourself. People won't want to be around you. So in order for us to be full of Christ, we must empty ourselves of the things that are not Christ. So what things in your life are not Christ? What things can you get rid of? 
The ultimate goal of this verse was that the individual who is poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, as I was reading about this, there were several authors that I read about. Some that said, well, the kingdom of heaven is not something we will experience here on this earth. It is only something we will experience when we get to heaven. So what they were saying is, you know, for the poor in spirit is that they are saved and that they're going to get to heaven. And then there were others that were talking about this and said, no, that individuals that walk in that level of humility, what happens is they begin to experience the kingdom of heaven on earth because God's blessings and favor are able to be poured out on them because they're not so full of themselves. One article I read said this, the kingdom is therefore more of a gift than a recompense. It is not something to be earned by good works, but the natural indwelling of God's Spirit and those who are humble, dependent, sensitive, and venerable. And I love all these words it throws in and some of us think, I will never use that in my vocabulary in my lifetime. That's okay. Um, it's like, you know, in the Reader's Digest, they have all these words that, you know, for those of you who've ever read it, you know, they have a section for words that you can work on you know, adding to your vocabulary. But the kingdom of heaven is a gift. It's not a reward. It's a gift. And we get to enjoy it because of the natural indwelling God's Spirit while we're walking in a position of humility before God. Experiencing the kingdom of heaven is not just something about the end of our lives. Thankfully, God allows us to experience His kingdom every day. And the challenge for us to begin this process is to empty ourselves of all the things that are getting in the way of God's presence being able to fill our lives. And, I, and remember I shared that all of this, this Sermon on the Mount, all of these Beatitudes are one statement. And it is difficult. And so when you begin to understand what, the, what he's sharing here, you start understanding how this will bring about transformation, that this will begin to mold us into an image of Christ-likeness that will make us an example for the world and for others to see and experience. And so my challenge for you as I close is this. What can you empty from your life this week that are things that are getting in the way of you experiencing the fullness of God? And what can you give away that are things of God, the blessings of God, the things that He has given you the ability to encourage? A smile. How many of you love a good smile? Now I know in this, this time of all these masks, it's hard to see a good smile. But I tell you what, you can still see a smile if you watch, if you pay attention. Don't allow whether somebody's wearing a mask or not to in any way squelch your ability to give a portion of yourself away to them. There is still a need to give. And so I want to challenge you this week 
in your process of emptying yourselves of both the things that God wants you to give to touch somebody else's life and the things that you need to get rid of. It was refreshing this week to go to the dump and empty three trailers of junk. It was exhilarating. You want to know the sad part is? We paid for this stuff to be stored for five years and never used it. We could have bought this stuff two or three times over. And then at the end of the time, it had gotten moldy and worthless. And what we could have given away five years ago to bless someone, ten years ago to bless someone, we threw away. So what do you have that you can give away and bless someone instead of just filling up another room, filling up another compartment of our lives. You know what? There are so many things that God has for us that you can experience the fullness of if you just be willing to give it away. So that's your challenge this week. Spend time giving away the things of God that he's filled you up with and get rid of the things that are just, he's saying, listen, it's time that that goes. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge that this presents to us. I thank you that the Beatitudes are about transformation into an image of Christ that allows us to be presented as pleasing in your eyes. Help us to continue to, to work on our, ourselves in such a way that we walk humbly before you, acknowledging our helplessness to do this on our own, recognizing our need for more of you, and in needing more of you, we have to get rid of some stuff that we're full of. Help us to do that this week as we prepare to continue to grow and become who you've called us to be. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Praise God. At this time, we're going to.